Welcome. You're listening to Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda, the podcast that pulls back the curtains in your mind. We like to shed a little light on why you're thinking what you're thinking. Everyone has a choice in life, in what and how they think. Together, we're going to focus on high-functioning habits. There is no more time to live with any sort of regret. Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda, the inspirational podcast for the inspired. Let's get into today's show with your host, Shelley R. Shearer. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the show. Today is a very sad day in our household, and I'm hoping that I'll be able to hold it together. So if this uh, podcast has a couple breaks in it, you'll know I had to pause it. We had to put our dog down on Friday of 15 years. And I'm going to start with a little bit of humor first because our dog was a full-size 71-pound German Shepherd Poodle Cross. So she lived well three years probably past any dog that size. And we thought we were going to lose her a year or two ago. Um, and she rallied. You know, we did what we needed to do and, and changed her food up and gave her some new supplements, put her on an aspirin. And, you know, we've just, we've just done what's needed to be done. Now, it's funny. Before Keith and I got Kaya, we were people that did not understand how people could get so freaking attached to their pets. It was like, I'm, this podcast is going to be very honest and you might hear some things about me that you think, I don't really like that about her. It's fine because the only thing that got me through this last three days of massive pain and guilt was knowing I could talk to all of you about it and it might help someone out there. So my little injection of humor this morning as I'm tidying up finally and just I actually walked around the house and rearranged a few things so that there were objects. You know, I moved a plant in the areas where her beds used to be because I, I live on two floors. My TV room is downstairs and and she, and uh, she has a bed in my office, of course. And she's had nothing but accidents and everything this past year. And the past six months, especially, she couldn't control her bowel movements. So her back legs were going. And although she could still walk, it, you know, it hurt for her to get up. It was always painful to watch her get up, get up period off the floor out of bed in the morning and uh and she kind of lost that sensation so she would just sort of walk and poop so this morning my thought was as um my lovely cleaning lady michelle showed up this morning and brought me flowers and they're kind of cleaning upstairs now and uh and just sort of getting it dealt with for the last time usually there's some you know mess we're worried about with kaya and I was thinking this is the last time, you know, we have to deal with this pee and this poo and it's, it's been a rough week. I'll tell you all about it in a minute. And I come downstairs to my office and my cause box, uh, that's like the FabFitFun boxes, um, was sitting on the floor. I'd ordered one in so I could do a YouTube on it and my cat pooped in it. <laughs> I was, I was dumping it all out to get rid of the box and I'm like, what is this all? Oh my gosh, I smell it went that little brat. So here I am thinking this is the last time I'm going to have to deal with this because now Kaya's gone to heaven and yeah, my cat's like, let me just poop in your box, mom, because I'm kind of pissy right now. So I don't know whether she got locked in. He's a part feral cat that we rescued years ago. He's not as old as Kai. I think he's only nine, 10. No, no, sorry. He's three, uh, he's 11 and still a very active cat. He's part feral. So he's an inside outside cat no problem. And the other day when it was our last day with Kaya, I figured, okay, maybe now would be a good time to sit him on my lap and get his deworming pills that I have to shove down his throat because Kaya's right here and Kaya was his mummy. 
And uh, nope, he let me do that. And then he walked right out, ate a couple of bites of Kaya's raw um, dog food. She We put her back on raw food this past year, and that really made a difference. And she barfed it all up on the back porch. And I'm like, oh, you're just the loveliest little critter. So needless to say, the medicine's not in her. I had to clean up the mess. And then today she pooped in the cause box. So I, he's got to be feeling the loss right now. And he, he was on the Friday because he came up to me. He's not cuddly. He's a bit of a jerk, actually. Um, but he hunts like a like a hot dam, and we, the neighborhoods love him because he keeps all the rats and the moles and the mice down. But he is a bit of a jerk most of the time, and he hates everybody but Kaya and I. We figured because he was raised with a dog, he'd like other dogs. No, nope, not at all. So anyways, this is obviously behavioral whatever, or else he got locked in the house. But even then, it's an odd place for him to go. Usually, it's rather personal is all I'm saying. It's It was right beside my office desk in my office, which he's not usually even in. So all of this is just a little suspect. But on Friday, he he was all over me and climbed to me and got right up into my neck and put his head right in my shoulder and he just laid his head on my shoulder and just stayed there. He never does that. And so we're sitting at the end of the couch right by Kai's bed that has been removed and I'm explaining to him that yeah she's gone now. And yeah he just wouldn't let me go. It was it was a very odd thing. So anyways we'll see also what happens in the household because he has always been the second dog, pet. You know, and I think he knows that Kaya is, was our life, like was our love. Let me rephrase that. So let me tell you a little bit about what happened in our dogs. So so we were thought kind of normal pet people that they were just pets until we got Kaya. And then we became these pet parents. And let me tell you, we had a lot of apologizing to do and a lot of crow to eat. Because she was poodle, she could swim like a fish. And, and we realized that by the time she was barely a year old. Because when we first got her, my husband and I were still living on my parents' 20 acres. And my little littlest niece, it's just a teeny little thing. In the, she's in my parents' big pool with her water wings on. And she called out or something. And Kaya jumped right in. And then swam circles around her till one of us noticed. And we all, all of us were sitting there just having a cup of tea or something. Went, oh, I guess she can swim. She was just a puppy. And she never stopped. Actually, we had to keep the pool gate locked in the summer because she would just go in, jump in, swim around. And she, then she'd walk herself out and her nails put a hole in the bottom of my mom's. It was a cement pool, but it still had a, it still had a, um, a liner and she cut it. And my mother lost her mind. So we had to, uh, we had to be careful with her. But if there was a river, if there was a lake, we live by the river now when we built our home 14, 15 years ago, whatever it was. And uh, she just, we take her down there swimming all the time. It was the best exercise for her. Anyways, Monday of last week, Kaya had a terrible day. Now she is, let me describe the last six months because this podcast is to help you if you are trying to make decisions. So I just want to take you on my journey and paint a picture because some tough things happened and a lot of guilt and regret came up. And I want to explain why, and then you can kind of see both sides of things. So Kaya's had a rough six months. She's in diapers at night. We have had to lock her in the kitchen now, barricade her in, because she's made a mess over my wool rugs out in the living room. She gets out at night and goes lays there instead of on her bed, and then she has an accident, and it's, you know, the rugs are all being rolled up and taken in for cleaning this week. So we were getting, it was hard, but she was so happy. Kaya was the most loved dog. And being part poodle, she was very intelligent. And, but she became my shadow. So she was our dog, but she was my baby. And anyone that met us knew that. I mean, it was so obvious that I, you know, her, she loved her mummy. But also we, be, we were dog people. And also our lifestyle revolved around her. And it's not like we changed our lifestyle. It's just that she fit into it. So the vacation homes and our friends all had dogs that, you know, 
at the time and dinner parties. Kaya went everywhere. There was no one that knew us that didn't know that didn't know her. We never just left her home. It, to us, it was like we probably were worse than parents because, honest, you'd get a sitter for your kids once in a while. We never did. <laughs> the only time Kaya went to someone and she went to Auntie Jen was when uh, we went away on vacation. And in the first few years, we never did big long weeks vacation. It was usually just Vegas and things. We've only started the the big vacations, the cruising this last four years. And the last two of those, we've actually boarded her with our vet who she adores, which I'd found her earlier. We didn't find her. She was almost eight or nine, I think, when she needed a surgery. My niece worked for Dr. Renew at Apollo Animal Hospital. If you are a local listening to this, she is the best vet in the Lower Mainland. Her compassion, her pricing, her fairness... She just is in, insanely fabulous out in Cloverdale. Apollo Animal Hospital, Dr. Renee Sud, she's amazing. And she loved Kaya as well. So my niece worked there. She said, bring her in here, Auntie Shelley, because our old vet was just, honestly, they were just one of those vets, charged for everything. They fixed her a little too early. She had to be on, on incontinence medicine her whole life. And when I needed a refill, they wouldn't just refill the medicine, even though she was going to need to be on this medicine for the rest of her life. They made me come in and have a $125 visit every three months. I'm like, are you guys crazy? Well, one day my husband lost his, lost his mind on them. He picked them up and he said, this is not okay. He addressed the entire waiting room. I was so glad I wasn't there. It was so mortifying. But he did have a point. They were just kind of, they were one of those clinics that were just in it for the money. And uh, it was very obvious a lot of the time. I mean, they were good vets. They were very talented, but certainly not the care that we received at Dr. Renews. And uh, they literally called him a bad pet parent right to his face because we wouldn't bring her in. She went in for a physical and for everything, everything twice a year. Like we certainly were not those parents, but we didn't need to have a, a an office visit every time we needed her medicine renewed, a medicine that they were to blame for, we believe. They, they had us fix her too soon. And later we read articles that said, you know, maybe you should wait a little bit past their first eye teeth falling out, or maybe even once they've gone through their first heat. There's pros and cons on that, by the way. Do some research. But we definitely did it too early. She had incontinence her whole life, which was amplified, of course, in later life uh, because of her back legs and, and things going out. And why is that, you say? Because the muscles and the nerve endings all back there have things to do with the bladder and the, um, and the bowels and... It just got worse as she got older. So anyways, uh, Dr. Renew has take, kept, kept her overnight at no charge. She has taken her to a restaurant, let her sleep at her house once. <laughs> it was like it was insane. She just had such a connection with this dog. And so she was there. She, we chose her to put her down, of course, and uh, we were going to do it in her home. And I'll tell you why we changed our minds. But anyways, so the last six months have been rough. She's been sort of quarantined and she does not leave my side. We started joking this past, you know, bit of a year and especially, like I say, the last six or seven months, but no, probably the full last year because she was really failing last year and we were worried. She stopped eating a year and a half ago, maybe, maybe two years ago, maybe a year and a half ago. And we just gave up. I went to the store and bought her canned dog food. She's been on raw food for years, uh, really good kibble for a good part of her life. And then I put her on raw food a number of years back after I actually made her food from scratch for a while, but I, I realized that too much um, grains like rice or uh, carrots and sweet potatoes. She loved it with the hamburger. was great, but it was too high in sugar. So I used to make the food for her and my little neighbor's dog, Jetson, and he would get hives because it was just too high in sugars or something for him. So we put them all on raw food, and oh my goodness, they just, they just came back like young dogs. It was amazing. So she always had really good quality kibble right from a puppy, and... Um, 
we were sort of used to that. And so we're used to those kind of nice firm poops in the backyard and maybe one, maybe two a day, but usually just when you're on raw food, they only poop once and there's no waste. Whereas when you put them on junk food, like I did, I finally just gave up and went and got canned dog food from Costco. And oh my goodness, these poops the size of bananas that are all slimy and full of bad, you know, they're just full of oils and all the crap that's in all that food. It was awful, but we put up with it for her for, you know, a long time. And then her teeth got so bad, she didn't, wouldn't eat her kibble anymore in the morning. And I thought, okay, let's try the raw food one more time. So she's been on that now for the past year. And that again, she was thrilled to have it back and has been great. Happiest dog you've ever known, but it was almost like she couldn't be away from me in case she died and I wasn't standing right there. So she became not only my companion, but she became my shadow this past year. Ever since she turned 14, she does not, I don't leave a room without her following me. I don't go into the bathroom. I finally got over the fact that if I'm in the washroom, she comes walking in if the door wasn't fully latched. And even if she was, she bangs her nose against it. And then I'm trying to get her out. Like, go, mommy's having to go into the washroom. And then there's like this little three minute scene. Well, I finally gave up. She'd walk in. I kiss her on the head. She'd turn around and walk back out. That's all she was looking for. So I finally just I gave her what she wanted. Like it was such a much easier, much easier than fighting with her, trying to push her away and make her go away. It's like, no, just give her a kiss. And then she goes away and she waits, goes out to her bed and waits till I'm finished. And then oh, we're going back to the office, mom. So she became my little shadow. Last Monday, she had a pinched nerve or something went in her back. She lost, she couldn't get up off her bed. She messed her bed, pooped it, peed it. I got it all cleaned up, got her up off the floor, took her outside for another pee. Now she has hated peeing for the past better part of this year as well. Everything this past year has been a bit tough, but the six months especially. It, I think it hurt her to crouch down because she was a female. Um, so it was kind of a thing where we started getting into a habit where even it was morning, midday and nighttime, and then she'd have bigger peas. So she seemed to be able to control it better. So she didn't have to pee so many times, even though like before she was having accidents. Well, we doubled up her medicine for her incontinence, put her in diapers at night, like I said. So I always had to remember between two and three while sitting in my office, because she never left my office while I was here to take her outside to make her go pee. And luckily she was trained for that, by the way, when she was a little puppy, we trained her to come and, and sit and go pee, go pee, go pee. And she would do it on command, which was wonderful because we traveled a lot. So she wasn't a dog that we could say, Hey, this part of your yard, this is the only place you urinate or do your business. We, she was with us in other homes at ferry terminals on the road. She had to get out and no matter where we were, if we said it was okay to pee there, she had to pee. If it was gravel and not grass, that was a hard thing when she was little because she had a big lawn when she was a puppy. She had to go pee there. Uh, so that was great. <laughs> great training. Monday, this all happened. So it's like, okay, she's had, it's happened once or twice before. We've been keeping an eye on it. She's on aspirin every day. So she comes and sits beside me on the floor watching TV and I get up to either go to the washroom or get tea and she jumps up with me, of course. I'm like, honey, just stay. But no, she steads up and I realize why. It was like someone had thrown a bucket of water all over my basement. If it had been blood, you all would have thought seriously it was a crime scene. There was urine everywhere. And not like she just made a puddle. It was like she had, I'd thrown a small bucket of water and then she'd walked all over and back into Keith's, into my office where Keith was watching TV and he, we didn't notice. And it was just like sprayed. She literally had no bladder control at all. And she was just walking and the urine was just dripping out of her, like spraying out of her. Actually, it wasn't even dripping. It was awful. It took us an hour to clean up the house. I went upstairs, got her all bathed. She was soaked. 
And she's mortified. I mean, she doesn't, this is not enjoyable for the dog. And that was it. I said to my husband, now we had booked her to be put down today, actually. Today was, I said, how about we do it? We'll do it this Monday. One last day with Adelaide. We've been talking about this, you know, for a couple of months. She turns, she's 15. She turned 15 this month. And it was time. Uh, We had to let her go soon. She gets, like I say, she was still happy, so happy to be with us. But a couple of things the vet pointed out, which I'll, I'll share with you as well, that we didn't understand. And now that's where all the guilt comes into it. So we, so I lost a little bit. So this is what happened in my frustration and, and, um, annoyance. I put my foot down and said, it's happening this Friday. It's, we, we had to look at our work schedules as well and say, when can we do this? I had to, I had to grieve. It couldn't be like a, I don't know what I was thinking on a Monday two weeks ago, but anyways, um, I needed, I knew that I would fall apart. I did not a clue how I was going to fall apart. So I kind of put my foot down. Well, well, she was terrible Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in diapers all day, sleeping in my office the whole day. Then Thursday she rallied. Now my husband changes his mind. He's like, it's too soon. Just give her a, a, just give her a couple more weeks. Let's see Adelaide on Sunday. Just, he wasn't ready. And we couldn't do it on Monday because something came up for him at work. And I looked at my calendar and went, the next time we could possibly do this without anything, you know, being, being hindered is in two weeks on a Friday. And I just was so frustrated. I was like, I can't do two more weeks. I can't do two more weeks of laundry, of all this cleanup of her pooping on the carpet. She'd had a huge diarrhea a week earlier on my upstairs wall carpet. She was in her diaper and there was a blanket down and she managed to get off the blanket and it got all out of the diaper on the wood. It was, it was wow. Well, my husband can't handle any of that. He gets, he just starts to gag. So I'm a little mad, mad at him saying, you're not the one looking after this. You're not the one trying to run two businesses right now who is spending two hours a day looking after our dog when she's in pain and, and I just can't do it any longer. He wasn't the one walking her. He wasn't the one doing all this stuff. So I was a little annoyed at him. And because of that, he didn't put his foot down. And then we went out Thursday night. He was going to stay home with her. I said, hey, we've known for two weeks we're going to put her down. We've had lots of time. I've been, and we just gave up. We just were, we were just no more frustration. I just did the laundry. I just did it. I just, I just loved all over her for two weeks. And it was just, this is the end. And I didn't want her to have a single bad memory, but he still wasn't ready. And we went, he ended up coming up with me that night. She stayed home with the kids and all of our friends have all had dogs. They all know her really well. And they, we kind of ganged up on him saying, no, Keith, you need to, you need to let her go. So we, we ganged up on her, ganged up on him. And the next day it was a beautiful sunny day. And she was like a nine-year-old dog. She was bright eyed, bushy tailed. We had been around the whole neighborhood over the past few days. Even my kids in my neighborhood on Wednesday night came to say goodbye to her. The kids, my kids that live with me, my students all came up Friday morning or Thursday morning, I think. And we all had a family picture. It's on my Facebook page, done with her. So all of her goodbyes were being met. And on Friday, I took the whole day off work. I did nothing but be with her, walked her around the neighborhood. She wanted to do it numerous times where normally she could barely make it once. Went and saw our elderly neighbor that used to be our, used to be our, our, um, our, our neighbor down the street before we moved houses. And she was his constant companion while he was doing work on his house. He moved it forward because of a highway being built. And she was out there every single day with him because Kaya was not contained either. Our old house had no fenced yard. So she ran free in this neighborhood. And, you know, other than pooping on a lawn that I sometimes got to call shell, come and get Kaya's poop. Everyone really just loved her. 
she was that dog that a child could walk up and take their hands in her food bowl. We had to train our godchildren when they were tiny toddlers who came visiting from the States not to do that, that that was very unsafe because Kaya would let them. Kaya had not a mean bone in her body. Only time she ever got a little snarky is at a dog park. If another dog tried to take her ball, then she'd snap at them. And really never snapped, bit them or anything, just showed aggression. Is like, no, that's my ball. Only time. And we were aware of that and we worked around it. Um, but nothing else. Kids could hang on her. Other puppies. I remember somebody in our friends have got a puppy. And this little teeny thing bit her ear while she was laying down. And then Kaya stood up and she, the dog is hanging from Kaya's ear. And Kaya's looking over at me with her little groucho mark eyebrow she had the most expressive face and her little ears per come up she has these little cartilage in her ears that made her ears stand straight up and she'd cock her head mom really could you get this thing off me <laughs> and she'd do that when you talk to her too she'd cock her head to the side and raise her eyebrows like what are you saying mom I, I'm not quite understanding all of it she was just very expressive so these are the things she would do, but other dogs aren't like that. And we needed to teach these kids that that's not the norm. Kaya is not normal. So uh, you don't do this with other dogs ever. Respect. You just had to, you know, just the deal. Whereas we just didn't have those problems. She loved babies. Just loved babies. If I was holding a baby somewhere and I came home, she'd sniff me like a, like a hoover all up my top. Mom, you were holding a baby. She'd love to lick them. There might be food on your face or something. She just loved them. She'd lie down beside them. Just a kindred soul. Anyways, I know I'm nattering on. So, but man, if you are not a dog person, this is not the podcast for you. So uh, you are definitely indulging me today. Where do we get into the regret and the guilt? We went and we kept the appointment. Keith was not ready. <laughs> he wasn't ready. But he kept the appointment for me. And later I asked him why. And I said, I don't want you to take this as blame or anything, but why didn't you put your foot down? I asked him this yesterday, actually, after we dropped our granddaughter off. And he says, because you were, you were frustrated and mad at me. And I just knew that if something else happened again, and there was another accident, whatever, you'd be mad at me. And I didn't want to fight with you. And he's right. And it's funny because yesterday in my guilt and my grief, there's a part of me that would like to say I wouldn't have behaved that way. But knowing that last Monday, my frustration was so high that I was not willing to keep my dog alive any longer. He is right. I truly believe that he is right. I would have got angry. We would have fought about it. And I'm not sure I would have forgiven him as quickly as he has forgiven me for not listening to his concerns. So here's where some of the guilt comes into it. Doesn't matter whether it's right or wrong. I just want you to hear it. Know where my thinking was so that you, if this is something you've, are thinking of dealing with, you can make very informed, guilt-free decisions because the grief will pass. I'm already a little better today. Well, a lot better. I've been inconsolable for three days. But what was hardest was the guilt when I looked at my husband. The second we did it and got back in our car and I fell apart, I wanted her back. I wanted to undo the mistake and I couldn't. I couldn't take it back. And my husband was heartbroken. Our vet was amazing. So in the end, we decided not to spend the money uh, to have her come to the house. But uh, we spent the money to have her cremated. Because we were going to bury her on our property. And I, don't, I didn't think in the end, when we got closer to it all, that I could handle 
knowing her body was right there by my gardens, buried under that ground, decaying, I don't think I could handle it. Maybe a couple years down the road, but right up front, I realized I can't handle that. The reason I mention this is because I want you to understand yourself when you're making decisions like this. You're never going to make the perfect decision, but know yourself and then check in with other people. That's, that is very, very helpful. And I didn't want her ashes back to sit on a mantle because I would have obsessed. I'm a very OCD obsessive person. I couldn't handle that. And so we thought it might be best if we took her. She loves her vet, so there's never stress or trauma when she goes to the vet. And she loves Dr. Renew. And then all the girls that look after her would all be there and be able to say goodbye. Because I thought, oh my goodness, if they come here, now her body is here for me and they leave and I'm stuck with this body until Keith can get her in the ground, however long that would be. I, we realized later, because that's how we were going to do it, uh, we can't do that. So if we were going to pay to have her taken away anyways, we just went to our vet. They were great. They don't have one of those lovely little rooms with a couch or anything. We were just in the exam room. There were blankets all over the ground and I just sat down with my back against the wall and we visited with her and they took her off while we stayed in the room alone. They put her IV in her arm and then we waited and they brought her back. Of course, she's used to running free in that place because she, when she boards there, they don't put her in a kennel. They just let her walk around. She calms all the other dogs down apparently and she's just sort of an old soul and, and they just like having her free. So she runs free in the vet clinic. So she's used to it. So she goes back with the girls, not even thinking twice, and comes back to us. And then she started to hyperventilate. She started to pant, or what we call panting, really, heavy, really, really heavily. We knew Kai had to be in pain with her back legs because every, it was an effort to get off the ground. But she just wanted to be with us. She was just happy to be with us. Okay, I gave her aspirin for it. But near the end, I probably should have upped that or got her stronger meds in hindsight. Hindsight's a wonderful guilt-bearing machine, let me tell you. And I couldn't get a lot of, I tried my best getting her glycosamine and everything into her food, but she was such a little picky little turd. She would eat around it. Even if I crushed it up, if there was even a teeny pellet in there, unless it was completely dust, she would, and even then, if I dusted it into her food, she wouldn't eat the food for two days. She just, it would just sit there and go rotten. Oh my gosh. So she got her pee pee pill every day and cat food. (laughs) And if I put the aspirin in there, sometimes she took it, sometimes she wouldn't. She could smell the aspirin. She never would take the cat food if the um, joint medicine was in there. So it was a constant battle. But then later you look back on it in your, in your, in your um, grief and say, I shouldn't have given up. I shouldn't have been frustrated. I should have done more. I can, I can pretty much guarantee probably everyone has this. It's a process. I've been reading up on it now. There's this process. My guilt now is all about, I should have done more. I could have done more. I should have spent the money. Should Shoulda, coulda, woulda. And this is why I have this podcast. I talk about not living in regret and having high functioning habits. And that is why I needed to share this because I had such regret and guilt for three days. And I'm having to work through the process, having to trust the process to get through this. I talked it out with my husband. I made him look me in the eye and ask him to forgive me. He says, there's nothing to forgive. I says, there was. I didn't. I, you're my husband. And I love you. And I didn't honor your wishes. He just asked for two more weeks. He didn't ask for two more years. He asked for two more weeks. And so these are the things I want you to think about if you're going through this. Please make sure you're both on 100% the same page. And where this is important is if one of you is a communicator like I am and one of you is not like he is, you might need to be the person to drag it out of him. He did not want to fight with me. He did not want to deal with the after effect of it all. 
he gave in. Doesn't make him weak. He just wanted a happy wife, happy life. And he knew his dog had to go down. It wasn't like we were putting off the inevitable. We knew this was going to have to happen. And it absolutely had to happen before April. We were never going to leave her in another uh, care, like aborted situation. She was, it was so past that. No, we were having her with us. We knew that these were our last weeks and we were just having her, enjoying her, loving on her. Okay. My husband needed me to uh, pull that out of him to bring it to the table. But in my frustration and my stubbornness and my need to get it to make a decision, I railroaded over his feelings. Now, you can you might listen to this going, oh my gosh, no, no, and he was just being this. No. Yes or no, it doesn't matter which decision was made. I just want you to be aware. It doesn't matter who's right or wrong here. I need you to be aware that these are the things you might want to consider and make sure you've really had it all out. I actually forgot to take her to see a very dear friend. We haven't seen them in a couple of years now very often socially, but when she was younger, they were hugely in our life and they were the only caregiver. Auntie Jen was her only caregiver. It's who she stayed with every time he went away. And she has a little dog named Gussie that just loved Kaya. And in all my craziness last week and emotions plus work and just cleaning up after her, I forgot that I should have put her in the car and ran her over to see Auntie Jen. And car rides, Kai didn't like them. She couldn't get into the car by herself. She had to be lifted in. And she didn't like them. So last summer, when we took her up to Penticton, we realized that we couldn't do a long trip like that again. She was so sick from the car. She diarrheaed all over my parents' vacation home up there. It took me two days to clean it up. It was awful. And she'd made a big mess right by the back door. So obviously we'd locked her in upstairs. On the, we thought on the linoleum, but we didn't block off, block her in. We just, she was in her, was she in a diaper then? She might not have been in a diaper then. Uh, we just didn't realize we'd taken her out for a walk. She'd done her business. It was awful. She tried to get out. You could see where she must've been standing there at the door. Let me out. And we were, our bedrooms are downstairs. So it was awful. And Keith and I said, we will not do this again. She was very off the whole trip. She didn't want to eat. And we had to be really careful with her up there in the heat and sometimes had to leave her home and couldn't take her to the lake. She loved to swim, but she, you know, we spent the whole day keeping her out of the water after about an hour because she'd swim till she collapsed. She just never wanted to leave the kids alone. She was just, she would just go out there and swim in circles, try and get the ball, of course, or the Frisbee. Um, So all of these things, you know, everything was, she just wasn't up to it anymore. So she was, if you gave her, if you were sitting there going, so do you want to stay home? Do you want to come with us? She's always going to choose come with us. There's no way she's staying home, man. I'm like, she sits right by you by the suitcase or anything going, don't you leave me here. <laughs> she's always been funny that way. So she wanted to come, but she knew she was going to get sick every time. It had, it had to kind of stop. So we knew this, we knew this was our last, last summer was our last summer with her in any of those locations. We, we had the best time we could and we just knew that was it. So this spring was, you know, we just w- have been waiting for when the right time was, was going to be. And as it turned out, and when she made it through Christmas, we didn't think she was going to. Um, we said, well, I guess she'll wait. She'll make it till March and we'll just, we'll deal with it then. Back to the, the husband. Okay. So I just felt I didn't honor his wishes. And after I did it, I have never lost someone in my life like that. I've never lost a parent yet. My grandparents, I only had one set. They were in homes for years with advanced dementia and Alzheimer's. Didn't even know who we were. 
So when they died, it was a relief. I was sad, you know, but it was a relief. I'd spent six, seven years in one case, five with my grandma, six or seven with my grandfather. It was just awful, awful. And I've never had a loss like this. And she was a little bit more than just, you know, a dog that was, you know, had a kennel outside and, and was in our life. She, I talk, I didn't realize, I talked to her all day. Like I've always talked to her. She, I, I talk, I'm a, I'm verbal. And I did with, that's why my son could talk at a year because I talked at him as a baby all the time. So she was talked to all the time. She was my, she was just my constant companion. And like I say this last year, she never left my side. So I did not anticipate that void that loss and I've never lost someone I did not anticipate this pain it was devastating it was so bad I wanted to be sick in fact my husband had to come home and medicate me Uh, my podcast has been one of the most healing things I could have ever done for myself I realize so much many of you have given me feedback that I've said or done things that have helped you get through something you have no idea what you as my listeners have helped me get through to be able to have this voice and so it really changed things for me so anyways we had these pills and I had to take one he had to calm me down I was I was hyperventilating and I couldn't get past it so at least I was sleeping I slept for 12 hours I get up the next day cry all day again and then sleep again. And my little granddaughter sent us a message on Saturday morning saying, Grandma, I know you're probably very, very sad. So if you would rather see me next weekend, I am free. <laughs> and I thought, oh, crap. I had so much guilt because now my to my husband was like, she rallied. We could have waited two more weeks and had Adelaide have one more day with her. Adelaide didn't seem to mind. She was sad she was gone. We've had Kaya since before she was born. Uh, so she's just part of her life. But she said, no, I'm fine, Grandma, with that. But she had a cry on Friday when I sent her the message. And when I sent her the message letting her know we were putting her down, there was a part of me that was hoping she would respond to say, do you want us to wait until you see her one more time? I didn't ask the question outright. Maybe there was a reason. You know, Kaya could have had some massive event this week that would have made all of my issues right now null and void. But it's the unknown. I don't know that. That would be 2020. I don't have that information. All I had was what I had to work with at the time. And when she didn't respond back to me, and now I know she got the email and had a cry and such, I thought, okay, let's, let's, let's just keep moving forward here and, and carry on. When I saw her yesterday, we, so I sent her a message to say, you know, Grandma is very, very sad, but I was kind of hoping you could cheer me up. But if you'd rather wait, I'm okay. And she says, nope, if you want to see me, I'm good with that. So that was great. We took her out into the sunshine and went down to Granville Island for the whole day. I probably spoiled her way too much because I kept turning into dog places to get Kaya a treat and realized I couldn't. So she got an ice cream instead. <laughs> so she kind of got three things yesterday when usually she's kind of restricted to one, one treat. Uh, she got three yesterday because grandma just needed to give <laughs> and spoil her. I had no one else. And she took me, um, before I talk about the crystal place, so we talked to her about it and she says, she's so pragmatic, that little one of mine. She, she said to me, she says, Grandma, Kaya was in pain. Like when I suggested maybe we should have waited and she could, Kaya was in pain. So you did a good thing letting her go to heaven. I was, oh my gosh. The child's nine, by the way. So this is all good. But afterwards, I had to deal with the grief and the overwhelmingness. Then I had to deal with the guilt. Then I had to have a one-on-one with my husband that I should have had before we made the final decision. This is the, some of the things I'm trying to point out to you to make sure you've got consensus. 
Now, consensus does not mean letting someone else talk you into doing something you that really does need to be, be done. So because here's a, another example. My sister-in-law phoned me yesterday. She was wonderful. Karen was wonderful and she really made me feel better. And she says, let me tell you what happened. Don't you remember me phoning Keith to come for, for Al? Because she's a flight attendant and she was on a, she had to leave on a trip. They had these wonderful two um, dogs that were kind of like, uh, call, they're herders. I can't remember what their breed was, but they're like the collie type dogs. They're, they're herding dogs. And they, brother and sister, they got them all when we were camping at, at a friend's uh, dude ranch one year, brought them home. They're, again, our family all has dogs, okay? So the dogs are all used to being, like, we are a family of children and dogs. Sometimes we have more dogs than people. Um, and when Tex got really, really sick and they were struggling with him at the end, he had had a huge episode and she said, it's time. And Al said no. And she knew that she had to leave and wouldn't be there. And the morning of that flight, the dog went into convulsions. And Al had, Karen was on a plane. There was, she couldn't help. She phoned my husband, please go to Al. So my husband went out and they, they, he went out, they loaded the dog into the vet and went and had him put down. But Al's memory now is just full of so much guilt for waiting that dog died violently and it was so awful. It was so awful for my brother-in-law. And now he lives with that memory every day. Whereas I live with this guilt every day that I took away two weeks from my husband. So you see, either way, it could go either way. And you don't have a crystal ball. All you can do is make the best decision you can with the information you have at the time. Okay, please hear that. You make the best decision you can at the time with the information you have. And almost any vet will tell you better a day early than a day late. I've heard this over and over. I've had so much support from friends. All of my friends have put down fur babies over the last few years and have lost them. So they, they know what they're talking about. And I have a couple girlfriends that are way worse than I am. <laughs> way worse. As far as, you know, what they did for their dogs. And, and one of them really held on to theirs. We felt like way too long. And I remember Keith and I promising ourselves years ago, five years ago, we'll never, we'll, we'll never do that to Kaya. Oh my gosh. And then you get in the middle of it and all your emotions rise to the top. So part of me was, had gone into that logical place. But the thing is later I had the guilt that that logical place of this has to be done was also combined with, I can't handle it anymore. So here's the awful thoughts that I'm going to share with you that maybe no one needs to know, but you're probably going to have a few too. My thoughts were, I'm tired of cleaning up all this mess. I want, I've had her for 15 years and looked after her and she's going to go soon. Like it is her time. I, I, I want my time now. I want to be able to work on my career. I want to travel when I want to travel. So very selfish thoughts for me. And I'm tired of cleaning up the mess. I'm tired of doing the laundry. I'm tired of watching her in pain. I mean, there was always that as well. It was just, that really has helped a little bit the last day, just putting, trying to organize the thoughts that I want to have to say, think of what it's been like. I cringe every time she goes to the goes pee. That's four times a day. I cringe. I cringe every time she gets off the floor. So I was ignoring those signs while I just wanted my dog with me and to love on her. But now that I look, now I'm seeing it. Oh, now her poos has changed in the last little bit. They'd gotten very dark. And this last few weeks, they've gotten almost dark and black. And when she's having these diarrhea episodes or these loose, they are full of slime and oily. So I knew something was probably wrong, you know, but I didn't realize until I did the research, she probably had blood in her stool. 
she has got three, she had three mast cell tumors on her. We're pretty sure those were cancerous. Um, she's had them for years though, because she had one removed off her hip when she was about seven. And the vet told us that, you know, now that we've removed it, as soon as you test a, a mast cell tumor and they break the sac, it's a 50-50 thing, by the way, guys. Sometimes it has to be dealt with. And it, unfortunately, this one was big and growing fast and it was on the ligaments on her hip joint. So we either operated or we let it run its course and she was crippled. We had to put her down early. So we operated. But the second they cut into that, those T cells, I think they're called, they get into the dog's bloodstream, which means they could replicate down the road and create another mast cell tumor. She was great for years. But a couple of years back, yes, one came up, then another, and now she's got three of them. And she had three more small ones forming. Probably was had cancer running through her. But she never lost weight. She lost muscle mass in her back legs because her legs were getting weaker and weaker year over year. But never like that. So that was the second sign. The third was she's been panting at night. And Keith sometimes gets frustrated with her because he's like, oh, you dumb dog, don't sit in front of the fireplace. But she'd curl right up in front of the gas fireplace where we're watching TV and then... <gasps> We didn't know that that was anxiety and usually how they're showing pain, which would make sense because in the evening, her aspirin would have worn off. And then she'd come around the side of the couch and she just wanted me, she'd just lay her head on the arm and mommy just, and she just wanted to be loved because that was her comfort. She'd come to me for comfort. So I feel guilty about that now. I didn't, because we realized, and even the vet said, you know, we don't do unnecessary tests right now. She could never have an operation at this age and we wouldn't have spent the money on that. But you also, you don't do it because they probably wouldn't wake up for it. Their hearts would probably give out. They're just too old. So they just want you to make their do your dog as healthy as possible, as comfortable as possible, love her as much as possible until those things aren't possible then let them go. If they don't die in their sleep, which by the way, very few dogs do. I've, I've read this as well, 20%, I think. Look it up. Please Google everything I say and make sure you get your own opinion. My husband immediately Googled up the water last week and his answer was don't give her water during the day. And I'm like, what are you talking about? First of all, I have a dog that as a puppy, we had to go in and have her checked because she is a huge water drinker. Like she is a thirsty dog, period, and has been since she was little. So what a normal dog her size drinks, Kaya drinks one and a half, at least that. Twice if she's exercising, which she was a very active dog. So Keith's answer was to no give her water. And I was just not comfortable with that. She was so thirsty. And then it was, I realized talking to the vet later that, oh, you know what? The last couple of weeks... She's been excessively thirsty. I kind of wasn't paying attention. It's like, yeah, she'd like, all of a sudden you're walking in the, in, out of the bedroom and all, you're like, Kaya, that's enough water. Like that she'd been drinking, not, didn't have her few sips. She had just drank a whole bowl. It's like, oh, wow. So because she was in diapers during the day, he was like, take his water away. I read an article. They only need like a cup. And I'm like, that does not seem right. Not sure where my hubby got that information from. Again, please Google and do your own research. But I did the Googling. Uh, because on our way, where to? The night we went down Thursday night before putting her down, I spent the entire hour drive into Vancouver. We had friends in from uh, out of town and we were all meeting there. The whole time I'm on my phone looking up all of it. Every symptom, everything about the water. The, we didn't know about the panting till the next day. Uh, the poops, all of it was bad, bad, bad. And they said, you never do that. Do not limit a dog's water. They are, they can't, they don't self-regulate food, but they will self-regulate water, which means if she's this thirsty, there's a reason for it. Because at nighttime, we didn't care. We, she was locked in the kitchen. I just stripped the bed and washed it every day, put her diaper on. So don't do that. Do some research, talk to your vet. 
don't do that. So the answers weren't the answers anyways. So these things have all helped. The reason I'm kind of going on about this is if you're a dog person, you'll probably listen to this whole podcast. The reason I'm mentioning all of these things is because these are the things that will give you some peace after the fact, because we are doing the right thing, ending their suffering. I actually wish we could end people's suffering this, this lovingly, you know, watching my grand, my, my grandmother starve herself for two years when her body wouldn't give out to a 72 pound Holocaust looking patient. It was devastating. Grandma wanted to do after my grandfather died was join him. She had no life without him and she didn't want to live without him. And this was already a couple of years when, after he had passed. So she was done. And my mom out of guilt made them give her antibiotics. It brought her back. And she spent f- five years, maybe four, five, in a home. And all she did was cry and say, I want to be with daddy. And when she didn't know us any longer, she wouldn't look, she wasn't eating. She was bedridden and she starved herself to death and her body would not die. It was unbelievable. So you talk about sometimes the spirit versus the body. Her spirit had given up five years earlier. She was ready to go. She didn't want to live. And she had, uh, she had dementia versus Alzheimer's. However, don't know what happened at the end because she didn't know any of us at the end. Whereas my dad still knows us all. If I could give my father the ending that my dog had on Friday. Wow. That, it, wow. At home, all of us there it would be amazing. Anyways, I'm going to explain that to, uh, to you as well. So you, if you've never done it, you understand the process. Anyways, it was very humane um, and it was wonderful. So we took, so I did all this research and yes, those three things, the poop, the panting and the pain, we probably maybe waited too long. So there is that as well. And there could have been another episode. I don't have a crystal ball. My only guilt was with my husband and that maybe I could have loved on her a little bit longer. My guilt was for my own behaviors and my own thoughts of wanting a life free of this responsibility of all these chores of watching, not just this thing in pain. I'm being very honest in my more just annoyed um, mindset. It was like, I'm just so done with this. She has loved me through my illness. And I wonder if maybe that's why God let her live so long. Because when I contracted fibromyalgia manifested, you don't contract it, when it finally manifested that it crippled my life, she's been there the whole time. She's very empathic. So it was really hard trying to not cry on Friday and spend the day with her, get her to the vet. Because I didn't want her upset. If I was sick with anything, not just my fibro, even I've had operations in the past where I get very, very sick, Kaya comes right to the side of the bed, leans the head there, and then she will sleep beside me and will not leave. Daddy has to come and physically remove her to let her eat, go pee, and then she comes right back to me. She has been this support my whole life. My love language is touch. And I have a husband that sometimes slacks on that a little bit. It's not his love language, unfortunately. And Kaya gave that to me. She was my cuddle bunny. She was who I touched, who touched me, who licked me, who loved all over me. Um, And when that is taken away as well. That is leaves a huge hole. It's like, where am I going to get those needs met? Like I say, I talk to her all day long. I'm not lonely at home alone. I'm never alone. My dog is with me constantly. My husband travels for work. I thank God right now that I've got kids living in my basement because she was always my security blanket when he left. I'm in this big house alone. I'm in a good neighborhood, whatever, what have you. But bottom line is the old house and both this one, She's there. She's with me. I'm not alone. And now I am. So all of these things come, come up and surface. 
during this process. But like I say, I've never lost anything, so I'd never experienced this complete level of devastation. And I read up on it and know, and I know because I, I, I coach and I, and such that there are levels of vibration and I know that there is a process. And my, one of my students said, she says, yeah, my dad always says to me, all you can do is trust the process. I know grief passes and I know I've been in love and had my heart broken. I know that passes, um, pain passes and I've seen my friends get through it. So the logically, I know that this is a process and I'm not going to lie to all of you as my, as my audience, you were a huge part of my healing this weekend because the thing I kept telling myself is I have regret. I'm feeling guilt. I, I want to take my decision back. All I can do is learn from it and then share it with all of you. Share it with all of you. Maybe someone just needs to hear this. Maybe you, you are in a similar situation and you're on that cusp, but you and your spouse or your whoever have not partner or whoever is involved have not fully vocalized everything, explored all the answers or all the questions, um, done what you need to do. It will help you after the fact. Before, it may not seem that necessary. It's when the grief hits that you may not be expecting to hit like it, like I wasn't. You will need, once the grief starts to lessen, you will need to know that you, you did what you needed to do. Cross the T's, dotted the I's. And with your heart, not your impatience and frustration, made this decision. As hard as it is that you made the decision. With all the information and with your heart. So what does my granddaughter do? We go to Granville Island, which I guess she's been with her mom over the, over the years. They go down there and she goes to this cool little store, this uh, gem and crystal store that has this outside little gazebo out the back of it with this rock pit. And you're allowed to take this little bag and whatever size bag you choose to pay for, you pay for it and you put as many rocks in that bag as it'll hold. And she loves that she collects rocks. The unfortunate part was the gazebo with the rocks was closed because of the construction. It, it wasn't part of the building. It's open. But we're in there and I'm looking at all the crystals. And, and I believe that these things give off energetic uh, fields and things like that. Not a huge woo-woo person. I don't collect them, but I still have an open mind about it. And she just loves to go through everything, touch everything. And the ladies in there are wonderful, by the way. So we left after we'd done the whole little store and Grandpa said, you come back because we parked literally right next to the store, like out the alley. You can come back in one more time before we leave. Thank God. So we go have our whole day around Granville Island. In the car later, I remember asking Keith, Kai couldn't have done that, could she have? He says, she says, no, she couldn't have walked four hours. So even though there was this part of me that said I wanted to have her with us for that whole day, she couldn't have done that. We could have all got in the car and taken her to the park and just gone for a short walk and then come home. Um, but we never could have done that in that beautiful sunshine. Plus I'm in Granville Island. I'm in downtown Vancouver. Every other person has a freaking dog or a puppy. So let me tell you, it was a really tough day and everyone, my granddaughter and husband were great. They tell, they told me I was great 85% of the time, but I cried a few times and I, when we sat down for fish and chips is when I started to really holding it all in. I was, I was having trouble with my self-control. So we go back to the crystal shop after and I thought, oh, what the hell? I scroll crystals for grief and they all come up and Adelaide, I show her all the names and we go around and get the, the, uh, the clear uh, rose quartz, clear quartz, um, some other weird one, Apache tears, what the girl suggested in the end. Anyway, she says, just take all these. And they weren't very expensive. I got all this whole little bag for $20. So just so you know, she says, 
these things are really, really helpful when you're meditating and trying to calm down. She says, some of them give have properties in them, minerals in them. Some of them just have an energetic field that are used for these types of things. And even if none of that was true, on the whole drive home, I decided to go for the dollar more and got all the quartz and all the rocks tumbled so they were smooth in my hands and I could rub them. They were a physical distraction to the pain. They were something to focus on besides this aching hole in my heart, <laughs> this pain in my chest. So that's what I did. And I, my husband does not believe in any of this. So I said to him, I says, don't make fun of me. He says, I'm not going to. I says, because if nothing else, they are distracting me. Although I have to say, I felt a heck of a lot calmer by the time I got home. And that's when we had talked about some other things. So Adelaide went, she said, grandma, let me go ask the lady. She's nine guys, just so you know. So we went and asked the lady and I asked her for the first one. We asked for the second one. And then it's like, okay, what else is on here? And finally I had to ask, I didn't know some of these names. And the, the lady pauses and I look at her and says, obvious, you must realize I'm in grief. She goes, I gathered <laughs> by the third one. I gathered, she says, would you, would you like my help? I have, there's things on this list that this is what I'd like you to look at. These weird little rocks that just look like pieces of granite, stuff you find on the ground, crushed gravel and the Apache tears. She says, you will find these amazing. She says, just put them all in a little bag at home, like a little sachet and just have them with you. Take them out when you meditate. She says, they just aid you energetically and spiritually through the process. No one is saying that I'm not going to go through the process. So let's talk about that just for a minute. I know this has been an hour podcast, but man, if you're into pets and this is the one you listen to, this is what you get. You have to go through the process. I knew that when I made the appointment, logically, of course, that I had to have the weekend to grieve. I don't know what we were thinking the first Monday. I really don't, except that it was just like, Adelaide, then we're going to let's deal with things. Thank God he had a business meeting because no, it had to be on a Friday. But the following Friday, I had a course that weekend. So it was going to be two weeks out. So I've already spoken about that. I won't repeat it. But what I, if I had had done that today, there would have been no work week this week at all. I will work this afternoon for a few hours. I feel I'm capable of that. But so logically, I knew I, I had to book the appointment and have two days to grieve. I knew that I would be a mess. We've always known this. My husband used to tease me. Oh my goodness, you're going to be a mess when that dog goes. Uh, we've been making that joke for years. <laughs> Little did I know. So, you know, make sure you plan for that. Don't think that you're going to be okay. And even if you're not as emotional as I am or as attached, you're still going to have grief. Don't add the stress of knowing you have another appointment. Someplace you have to be, we have to keep a stiff upper lip. Someplace you need to be present. Um, just don't. In fact, the guests I was going to have on the podcast this week, Jeff from um, Daza from New York, I was very excited to sh have interview him for all of you. I sent a message to him. I've seen kind of on his Facebook page, he's very family oriented. And I said, I need to put you off a week. Are you okay with that? I felt bad for rescheduling, especially at the last minute. But I said, you know what? I don't have a clear head and I don't think I will have in a few days. And I'd really, I really want to be 100% there for you. He was amazing. He came back and he was like, please take all the time you need. We have a Husky. She's part of our family. She's one of our fur babies. I appreciated that so much. And I, and it was, it's so wonderful to connect with those types of like-minded people. I realize there's lots of people out there that are not pet people, not dog people. I was raised with that farm hand mentality of their animals. They don't have a soul. My girlfriend and I, Terry used to argue about this all the time. And I have no problem admitting I am so wrong. <laughs> so wrong. They have little souls. They've chosen to come down here for a reason and have this experience. 
That one was extremely special. I know everyone thinks their kids or dogs are special, but when a hundred people that have met your dog say, wow, and complete strangers have stopped you on the side of the road for 15 years over this dog, you got to kind of listen to the signs. There's a picture on my Facebook page that has just her face and her eyes are looking right at you. Seriously, that's her. I have talked to that picture for two days. I actually had to have a long talk to her. <laughs> looking for some forgiveness, looking for some, you know, just tell mommy it's okay. And now I'm going to share something really woo-woo-woo with you before I let you all go. So she was love wrapped in a fur body. So she was here for a reason and thank heavens because I couldn't have imagined my life without her. Now our life is in a different place now. We no longer have the vacation homes. Um, and that made me feel bad too, that we didn't have the money and resources for me to spend anything I wanted. I mean, we could have just taken it out of the mortgage, but it wasn't money we had saved or earned. Uh, I, that I didn't spend more, that I just didn't do more. I, and even our vet's like, stop again, stop. She's 15. She's had this full life. It is so rare for these big dogs to live this long. They live, it's, I mean, the oldest dog is 20. I, I looked it up. Guinness World Worker Records is 20. Lived on a dairy farm. The second one was 19. Again, lived on a farm. Kai doesn't live on a farm. Maybe there's something about the farm air. And both these dogs were ancient looking. Kaya still had no gray hair. She didn't have any saggings, really a lot. Her chest a little bit, and but I lost her muscle mass in her back leg, so she looked skinnier. But she didn't look like an old dog. Could she have lasted a lot longer? Yeah, we could have, we could have had this suffering probably go on for a long time because her body other than, well, who knows? The cancer might have got her. But regardless, wasn't going to let her suffer like that. So 15 is long. Could there have been 16? Who knows? We didn't think there was going to be 13 two years ago. So really, we got two years we didn't expect out of her. All of these things are things that are going to run through your mind. And you've got to work through the process. You've got to give yourself some grace and let yourself move on. I will do this. It's a process. It's going to be a process for me. But we don't, we can't live in regret. I do know that. I've, I've lived enough in my life experience enough to know that I, this isn't just lip service for me. And that was why it was very important for me to share this with you on the drive home yesterday. We've dropped Adelaide out in Port Moody and I am, I am holding my stones and I'm kind of visualizing her. I think, I just think she's just sitting in the back seat with us. Like I can just see her everywhere. And all of a sudden it was just so instantaneous. This whole piece came over me and she was in the back seat. In fact, I felt it and I was just in the moment for a minute going, this is crazy. Uh, and I thought, okay, don't look back, don't look back, don't look back. And I just kind of quickly, I said, no one's going to believe this. I'm not telling Keith. He'll be like, honey, I look back and no, she's not there, but I can see her in my mind's eye. She just joined us for about 10 minutes and I calmed right down and she was there with us in the vehicle. And I knew the second she left. It was un the second she left, that peace and calm disappeared and my sadness was back, but it was like, okay, it was very odd. Did it happen? Didn't it? Who knows? But for me, it did. For me, it was very, very real. It was very real that she dropped in to say, mom, I really need you to know <laughs> to calm down and know that I'm okay. Because there's no doubt in my mind that she's fine. It's the same as when we let loved ones go. They're not the ones in grief, guys. We are. It's the people left behind that are in grief. My pet crossed the rainbow bridge. My girlfriend, Monique, she's the lady that does the sacred gifts, ha had sent a message to me that St. Francis 
of Assisi, I may be saying that wrong, would be waiting. He is the patron saint of animals, that he'd be waiting for her. And she's running. Oh, she hasn't run in so long. <laughs> the first year that she couldn't run anymore, when she, when she looked at a ball and we just felt so bad for her, was so tough. It was so tough. And by the way, be really careful with those chuckets. Every vet, they keep vets in business, just FYI, but also for later in life, if you are going to use one, because let me tell you, I don't think I could have handled a dog like Kai without a chucket. She needed to run. But what we did learn a little later was to make sure that we threw the ball so that she had to run up to it. When she was little, we would do it so that she could jump in the air and twist really fast and catch it. She'd catch it in motion, don't do that. See if you can maybe just send it out far enough that the dog has to run up to it. It's not that harsh stopping and turning. That's what is really hard on their hips. Unless they're border collies or herding dogs that have those double jointy, displacy, hippie something or another they call it, that can turn on a dime. A German Shepherd Poodle cannot. <laughs> so of course she had an operation and as she aged, it was her weak spot. So I know that she is there and I am so grateful that she came back for a quick little visit yesterday to let me know that she's good. But I don't want her spirit to stay. I need her to go. I don't want my grief binding her to this earth again. Sorry, guys. You might not believe in this kind of stuff. But I, I believe we're all just energetic people having a human or somewhat earthly experience. And I believe that spirits can get caught on, on earth. And maybe they shouldn't be here. I have way too many friends that work in, this, in the medium of all this. Have walked into homes and there's you know, spirits there, good, bad, whatever, that have not moved on. And I didn't want that for her. As much as the other part of me was like, oh, please, please stay. Just give mommy comfort. No, that's selfish. <laughs> but I was so grateful for her yesterday to drop in, in the car and give me that little peace of mind and, uh, and be gone. So I'm not sure what happened in the podcast, but somehow during my editing, I deleted or something of the whole segment at the vet. I skipped forward to her running around and I also didn't tell you how my husband got a bit of closure here. So the next morning we're in bed and I am just so upset, but we're talking and cuddling and I asked my husband, I says, honey, what, what would make this better for you? And he says, I would like her ashes back because as I said earlier, we chose not to do that option. And so I got up right away and phoned the vet the young lady there, they, they were barely open, said, yes, her body is still here. We'll phone you back when the, when the, uh, the um, veterinarian gets back in. And they did a couple hours later and said, no problem. It was $198. And I was so grateful to be able to do that for him. He was so much more settled afterwards. He wants to be able to spread some of her ashes around our gardens in on the home we're in and at the lake in Penticton and at my sister-in-law's cabin, the river uh, outside Kamloops, because those were her favorite places. And for him, that was closure. I struggle with some of that sometimes with how I was raised, <clears throat> especially religiously that, you know, once the spirit's gone, it's, it's just a body. This is just ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But there is comfort to be found in the ceremony and in the ritual of these types of things. And you know, especially after yesterday, Kaya coming to me in the car just quickly to let me, to check in. And they say that's quite common, actually. One of my girlfriends got back to me <clears throat> during the middle of this podcast to say, that is very common that people have that experience that are open to it, that a loved one will come back quickly and check. <laughs> are you good? And I got that, <clears throat> excuse me, and he needed this. So I would have paid anything for that to happen at that point, just to give him any peace of mind. So that was really, that was really wonderful 
to be able to give him that closure and for me to have a little more peace about that. So somehow I got into the conversation about how she got the IV in her paw, like in her, in her leg, and then I got off into a tangent and off I went. So this is what happened. This was the process. And it was amazing, actually, to be perfectly honest. It was quite amazing. The part that was a little scary uh, just for me, which just because it happened so fast, was they put the IV in her and then came back in and said, when you're ready, we'll come in and give her the sedative, but just be with her. And I think I, I've already mentioned that, yes, and the vet came back in when we were ready and said, you know, she's under a bit of duress and Keith could see it too. She was starting that panting thing again. And uh, what I and so she was laying with me, but then she got up when everyone walked in the room and went in and got into a corner where my husband was sitting. And so she laid down and then she stood up and the vet just reached over and, and put the injection into her leg with her over kind of into this corner and you couldn't count to 10. That's how fast it was. I wasn't prepared for that. So just a word of caution, if you want them to be in your lap or something, get on that right away before they even go near your dog. Because then what happened, she went down within five seconds. It was just like, oh, she wavered. She leaned against the counter and her legs gave out and she laid on the ground. She wasn't dead. She was just fully relaxed and, but could not move. And I was not prepared for that. So then Keith and one of the girls had to lift her up bodily. And remember, she's a big dog and bring her back to the blanket and lay her head in my lap. Okay. So at that point, the vet said, now she's completely relaxed. She can hear you. She can feel you. So just talk to her. So I'm going to leave again. And you guys just come and get me when you're ready. And that was an amazing time. We just took, you know, whatever, I don't even know how long it was, 10 minutes maybe, could have been longer, could have been shorter, but it was a bit of time. We just loved all over her. We told her that we loved her and we're so grateful for the 15 years she gave us and how much we will miss her and that we wanted her to be healthy and happy. Um, I told her to please come back again and be some some kid's best dog ever because she just had so much love in her and, and loved children. Uh yeah, that was, a re- that was a really great moment. After that, it got on for a little bit, and Keith said, okay, sweetheart. You know, I was so, I was very upset at this point. And uh, he went and got the vet again. And she comes in with two syringes this time. I believe the first one was just to, cl- it clears the IV for the syringe that stops their heart. Now, the vet comes in along with the girls and or one of the young ladies, they'd all come in to say goodbye. Um, and at this point now, Dr. Renew starts crying too. Like I said, she quite loved her. And so they, she's in my arms across my lap and she puts the, the first one in and then says, okay, now you're ready. And I said, yeah. And she puts the, in the, in the second one and it, she says, this won't take long, Shelly. So just please prepare yourself. It will not take long. And sure enough, it just within a minute, if, if even that, and she jerked twice, which kind of freaked me out a little bit. And then the, the vet says that her heart has probably stopped, but it hadn't yet. Kaya reached out her paws for me and put her paw on my chest. And the girls just went, oh, oh my God, they rarely do that. And then she just, her whole body relaxed and she got her stethoscope out and said her heart has stopped. But then she gasped a couple of times and that freak, he says, no, she's still there. And she says, no, we don't know why that happens. She says, vets have wondered, they keep doing research. And the only thing we know is that it happens with very well-loved dogs. Um, but also the body, let's face it, it's a machine. It's, it's, a, it's a flesh and blood machine. 
the heart may have stopped, but all the other functions, the lungs and stuff, she just gasped a couple of times. It was, it was nothing traumatic. It was just like she was taking a big breath. Um, and then she just went fully lax and she was gone just like that. And I'm pretty sure her spirit was still there with us for a while. And so they gave us, they gave us all a hug and said, no, you just stay with her as long as you like. And we did. And it was really tough because she's warm and I know she's gone and their eyes, hers anyways, wouldn't close. <laughs> and it was like, oh my goodness. So I just sat and stroked her and took my time until eventually Keith was kind of like, honey, we need to go. He didn't want me there long enough for her to start to cool or, or for it to be anything icky like that. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So we finally just kissed her, said her goodbyes, got off the floor and, and walked out and left her. We had a little bit of things to do at the front uh, because we had changed our plans and we, I owed them a little more money. And I just said, I'm sorry, I just have to go back and kiss her one more time. It was so hard to leave her there. And of course, it was quite hard to leave her there knowing that we were leaving her there. Which I think is why the next day when Keith asked for her ashes back, he says, see now, we haven't left her there. <laughs> it was kind of, you know, and he's right. These things are all just things that your subcon your your heart, your subconscious, your ritualization, whatever, however you are, don't deny yourself these things just because you quote unquote think this isn't how it should be, or you were raised that they're just animals, or they're just anything, or that you need to be strong. If you can, great, and accept that about yourself. But if you can't, please accept that about yourself. Because he is right. No matter what, we would have had to have left her. Um, but it de definitely felt more like a circle coming back around, knowing that she would be cremated on her own and her ashes would come back to us. So that's how it all went. And uh, I'm going to end with that here now. I hope this helps. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me, message me, uh, private message me if you have any questions or concerns that you have of your own pets. And if I can answer them, I will. If I can put you into a resource, I will. And if it's something that you'd really truly just need to see a vet about, I will tell you that. I am not a vet. I'm not a professional. These were my, experience, my emotional experiences of putting down my baby girl. And like I say, the big thing to overcome for me was the lack of communication between my husband and I, which created a massive amount of guilt after the fact and, and, and self-loathing for my selfishness. I am working to let that go and I will. I, I know I will. And he has forgiven me and he knew he, she had to go, but try not to live with as many butts as you can. <laughs> Have a great day, everyone. And I'll catch you on the flip side. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda. Stay connected with us directly through livingwellwithshell.com. You can also join the discussion on Twitter at livingwellwithshell and Instagram at www.instagram.com slash livingwellwithshell. If you would like to speak with us, please send us an email through shelley at livingwellwithshell.com. And as always, thank you for pushing your mindset towards a better reality. This concludes the most thought-provoking portion of your day. Thank you. And remember, willpower will only get you so far if you don't have a plan. <laughs>